Hi guys, this episode of History of a Haunting is brought to you by Love Heals Dog Rescue. Hello everyone and welcome to a special episode of History of a Haunting. Archie here. And I'm Carrie. And this episode we are talking about a few haunted objects. Yes, so last week's episode was deep into the heaviness yeah. and this week's is... Well, lighter, but it still comes with a warning. Um, (laughs) Now, it's believed by a great deal of people, me included, the demonic entities that possess or have attached themselves to objects are aware of when they are spoken of, thought about, etc. So if you believe that, or even if you don't, please listen to this episode with caution. It is my personal suggestion that you use any shield of protective light, prayer, etc. that you prefer while you listen. Uh, We have specifically chosen objects that have not been known to reverberate as much as other haunted objects are known and documented to be. So to that end, I am so excited for this episode, RG. All right. How how nice for you. I'm sorry, did I creep right. you out? <laughs> a little bit, but, okay. but this episode is special for another reason, because we have our first caller into the show. We do, we do. Hi, caller. Welcome to History of a Haunting. What is your name, and where are you calling from? Hi, my name is Jen. I'm from Pittsburgh, PA. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jen. Hi, welcome. <laughs> Guys, please give a warm welcome to one of our dearest and oldest friends, my best friend, Jennifer DeSimon. She's going to be guest hosting this episode with us. And by that, I mean drink wine and be generally horrified and make comments. (laughs) (laughs) So now, Archie, I don't know if you're aware that Jennifer's house actually has a ghost. No. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Jen, you want to tell us a little bit about your ghost? Actually, it's interesting that you say that because uh, last week, I think, I was downstairs in the basement doing laundry, and I swear to God, Emma came down there and was starting to talk to me, and I turned around. I did a few things, and then I turned around and, like, okay, like, I'm ready to talk, and, like, no one was there. And I went upstairs, and Mike was in the living room, and I said, oh, did Emma come down? And he looked at me, and he was like, no. She's up in her room. I'm like, oh, my God. Hi. Well, I thought she was talking to me down there. Glad I didn't have a conversation with my back turned. Okay. Oh, fun. So, things like that. Um, we have, um, well, Carrie's actually stayed with us and heard many noises during the night. And uh, we've had toys turn on in Emma's room um, in the middle of the night. Uh, there was actually another incident when Emma was smaller that uh, also in the basement. Mike and I were down there, and I thought she was calling me at the top of the stairs and she was tucked safely in the bed so yeah that was hella creepy oh wow that, that was hella yeah. creepy that was probably one of the first experiences that we had too yeah and didn't like when you first moved into the house or that were you guys were listening to music or something and then like out of nowhere the volume just shot way up and you guys were like in the kitchen or something in the stereo in the living room the volume like yeah. way up yeah, that's happened. Yeah, it's it's common to so when I stay there, I sleep on the couch in the living room and it's directly under their bedroom and I always hear footsteps because their house is hardwood floors but they've carpeted it. But I always hear footsteps in their bedroom and I think, "Oh, one of them is getting up to, you know, go to the bathroom." And so I'll just like be laying there and 
I'll hear the footsteps, but then I don't hear a door open or, and so then the next morning I'll be like, did you get up and like walk over to the closet or do, and Jennifer and Mike are like, no. So it's probably pretty unsettling when like the next morning I'm like, hey, so were you guys up walking around in your room so around guys, three o'clock last night? dragging chains on the floor or something this <laughs> And Mike has actually I- seen a little girl. In their upstairs way. Oh my gosh! Yeah, Koi's yeah, heard it. it. It's at one point too. Um, there was a night that I was sleeping and I was on my stomach and actually felt like somebody was pushing on my back and pushing me down into the mattress. Um, wow! That's the only time I've ever felt like I was touched or anything. Had a very unsettling feeling, but recently, I think within the past year. Uh, it kind of hit me that um, we have a crawl space in our bedroom and it actually goes through our little tiny closet. You have to get down and crawl in there and it's a little tiny door and open it, you crawl through. And when we first moved in here, there was, this is kind of ironic because it's haunted objects today. Um, there was like two or three wooden toys. Like they looked like really old, just basic carved wooden toys. We didn't think anything of it. We never moved them or anything. We just put boxes and stuff in around it. But um, oh my god! It hit, me, it hit me in the last year that like I said to Mike, we were laying in bed one night. Remember those toys that are in there? I said, I wonder if that has anything to do with the little girl because the only time he's ever seen her is upstairs in our room oh, or wow. out in the hallway. Yeah. So like, is it hers? But. As far as we know, nothing's ever happened in this house. Um, we recently met the daughter of the original owners who actually built this house. And, like, nothing weird has happened. But, like, this used to be apple orchards and stuff before that. So, like, I don't know if something could have happened. To a child, before like, then? before then? No, wasn't your house built in the 40s? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just all kinds. I mean, and it's just one of those things where it doesn't creep me out or bother me anymore. I mean, Koi, when Koi and I went there the one year, I was in their den watching something on my iPad and everybody else had gone to bed and Koi was on the air mattress in the living room. He was watching TV and he was just about falling asleep and he heard Jennifer come down the stairs Again, all wood floors, creaky house. He heard Jennifer come down the stairs and walk past him, like up where his head was when he was laying on the air mattress and and heard her walk past him. And he opened his eyes to say, hi, auntie, and to see her walk into the kitchen. And nobody was there. Oh, wow. And he looked around and he was like, auntie? (laughs) (laughs) So then I heard him go, Mom? And so I came in from the den into the living room. I'm like, what's up? And he was like, I thought I heard Auntie get up and walk into the dining room. And I was like, she's been asleep for hours. And he was like, and so he tells me what he heard. And he's like, could you come lay down with me? (laughs) He was super creeped out. I was like, fuck, I was hoping to keep this ghost (laughs) away from him. I was hoping he wouldn't have any experiences or anything. Has Emma had any experiences? Um, I want to say that she was feeling like something happened. Oh, it's not Jared. I can't remember. One of them was downstairs, and there was something going on with the light at the bottom of the steps. Ugh. I can't remember if it was Jared or Emma, though. Yeah. Yeah, so... I feel like it was Emma, because I think Jared would just be like, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, toys in Emma's room going off in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Like, that <laughs> freaked me out. Like, it was this bear, and it, it seemed some, like, I don't know, some, like, I'm going to say, like, a Margaritaville kind of sound, sounding song. <laughs> and it, like, it Is there a Jimmy really Buffett bear? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's my, uh, spirit. Um, Spirits. but it started playing and it was loud. It was like, just completely like freaking out when it, and Emma didn't move. The child that doesn't ever want to sleep. Didn't was, like, wake up once. Sleeper, did not move. And didn't you get up like, a couple of times? I'm fumbling. I'm fumbling with it. I'm trying to Why can't we shut this thing off? <laughs> didn't you end up having to take the batteries out of it or something? <clears throat> I think that's what I ended up doing because I couldn't find the switch. Yeah. Because I didn't want to turn the light on and wake her up, but heck, at that point. <laughs> right? Like, if, I, you're in, if you ain't sleeping, ain't nobody sleeping. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's that's uh, Jennifer's Jennifer's haunted house. And you guys have lived in there, what, 16 years now? Mm, yes. Yeah. So, there weren't any any dolls in that space, were there? No dolls. No. Just, just pirate bear. Just Jimmy Buffett pirate bear. Jimmy Buffett pirate bear. Yeah. So what, okay, let's get into our haunted objects. We'll leave Jennifer's creepy block toys in her closet. <laughs> Can't wait until they get a new place. All right. So let's start with Robert the doll. Robert the doll. Jen, are you familiar with Robert the doll? I am not. You're not? Okay. okay good. Well, <laughs> Robert is a 115-year-old doll currently residing at the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Robert was most likely not for sale, that he was probably part of a window display full of impish clowns or jesters. His origins can be traced to the Stife Company, the same toy maker that manufactured a teddy bear in honor of Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, okay. Robert was gifted to young Robert Eugene Otto in 1904, who would later become an eccentric artist. Eccentric in the way that Robert the Doll's relationship continued through Robert the Human's adulthood bordering on unhealthy, and by unhealthy, I mean carrying the doll everywhere and referring to him in first person. Oh, my God. (laughs) As an adult. I think we're looking at eccentric in the rearview mirror with this one. Right? (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot. that shit like 50 miles ago. (laughs) (laughs) There's quite a couple of fun stories about mischievous Robert the doll around, so Carrie, I will leave them to you. But my personal favorite is that Robert the Child told his family to start calling him Gene because Robert the Doll took his name. Yeah. That cracked me up yeah, so bad. That is... <laughs> like, this doll had to be some sort of powerful thing to be like, you know what? I like your name. I don't want another you name. You, you have, have to go by, yeah, go by your middle name. <laughs> So, yes, Robert the Doll. Another thing that I had also found was a story that the, the child, Gene, we'll call him Gene from now on. Oh, it's his name. Yeah, I mean, that's what he went by for the rest of his life. But he was um, gifted the doll by a nanny that had gotten fired. I read a couple of different ways that yeah. the child came and she put a doll. curse on this doll and mm-hmm. gave the doll to, to Gene. I read one that the grandfather had purchased it in Germany. Yeah. But that didn't allude to any 
any wow those are like way different completely <laughs> desperate i know <laughs> right like you can find all kinds of different like rationales or whatever in researching all this stuff and archie and i have found some of the most bonkers shit and completely opposite of each other in reasoning explanation all right that. like jen just said like that is from one end to the other of how this doll came into the kid's possession. But the fact of the matter is, it did. <laughs> and uh, the unhealthy relationship was, you know, happening. The occurrences that they have, the child and the family had with the doll began almost immediately. Um, with Jean claiming that any strange things or mishaps that happened around the house or to the family were because, were because quote, Robert did it. And <laughs> right, the good old the doll did it. Excuse. Um, <laughs> how, I've had a nickel for every time one of the kids tried that with me. Right. <laughs> I didn't do it. Pirate Bear did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was Jimmy Buffett, man. It was Jimmy Buff, right? <laughs> um. So anyway, apparently, close friends and family of the Otto family have all agreed that it was in fact the doll to blame somehow. Oh yeah. Um, so one night in the very beginning of all this craziness, little Jean woke up in the middle of the night to find Robert, the doll sitting and staring at him from the foot of the bed. Oh God. Now we're going to post pictures of this doll on all of our social media. When you see this doll, if you were to wake up in the middle of the night, whether you're a child or a, grown-ass adult, you are probably going to shit yourself. And also, keep in mind, that's how the doll appears now. The doll was probably painted up as a clown or a jester to boot. Ew. Yeah. So there's also that clown issue yeah. to go oh, along I'm with. I'm so it. glad we segued into clowns again. You know, I right? had to. Just in honor of your husband. <laughs> right, yeah, just in honor of your crazy crackhead husband. Yeah, you don't have to live with him. I, you only come to visit and you leave. I know, and then I get to go home. <laughs> she, we cry every time she drops me off at the airport, and I know it's because I'm leaving her with Mike. <laughs> Just kidding, Mike. We love you. Um. So anyway, Robert wakes up in the middle of the night, and Jean, or no, Jean wakes up. Jean wakes up in the middle of the night. Robert yeah. is sitting there staring at him from the foot of the bed. Now, for some reason, his beloved toy scared the crap out of him, which obviously, <laughs> I don't know why I said for some reason, obviously the toy scared the crap out of him. Um, now, his parents, who were asleep in their room, heard Gene screaming for them, and his mom raced to his room and found the door to his bedroom locked. She heard the chaos going on behind the door, uh, furniture being tossed around along with giggling, intermixed with Gene's cries for his mother. And when she finally gets the bedroom door open, Gene is huddled in his bed. The room is fucking destroyed. And Robert is sitting stoically on the end of his bed, looking at the doorway at the mother. And in a terrified whisper, Gene tells his mother, Robert did it. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, much nope. <laughs> So Gene would often play in his room alone with the doll. Even and, after all that? Yeah. Stupid child. Well, I mean, it went on, like you said, right. it went on through his whole life. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but guys, he was like eight. <laughs> 
What? It's just a number. <laughs> At some point, these kids have got to grow up. Right. <laughs> well, obviously not. Yeah. Eugene carried the child, the doll around. Right. Um, so he could be heard when he was playing alone in the room with the doll. He could be heard talking to the doll. And then they would hear an answer back in a completely different voice. There are several um, claims at the time the family lived in this house that they would hear giggling from the doll. Have, a, have seen a glimpse of him running up the stairs, and he's been seen staring out um, at people on the street from the windows of the turret, turret room that he was kept in. That people walking by would feel this doll just watch them as they walked down, like his gaze would follow them. Okay. All right. So after his parents died, Gene, who by that point was a grown man, he inherited the house, and Robert the doll was rediscovered in the attic. So at some point... Oh, yeah. he's uh, he put he the doll away. The doll, the doll had been locked away in the attic and apparently was not, not happy. happy. Yeah, not happy about it at all. Um, so Would you be? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Locked away I'm in an attic from the rest the of the world. <laughs> Jennifer's going to side with the doll. <laughs> Which, you know what? Let's remember that Jennifer sided with the doll because once I get to the end of this, you're going to find out why you don't want to piss I took it back. I took it back. I took it back. <laughs> You're going to find out why we don't want to piss off Robert. Okay, where were we? Uh, dee -dee -dee -dee. Okay. So we're going to find out why you don't want to side with the doll. No, you do want to side with the doll. Oh, you do want yeah, to side Jennifer's, with the Yeah, Jennifer's in a good spot right now because she took Ooh, Robert's side. You okay. don't want to piss the doll off. You scared me. <laughs> Yay. Okay. Um, so anyway, Jean... Grown man inherited the house, found, rediscovered Robert in the attic. Creepily enough, Jean fell under its influence again almost immediately. By this point, Jean is married, and his wife, Anne, hated the doll. She found it creepy, and she insisted she saw its facial expressions change. He did not like this doll. Once, when she had had enough of the doll and locked the doll away in the attic again, Jean, the human threw a wild fit and demanded that Robert be given a room of his own where he could see the street. Okay. Yes. So. Why did he need to see the street? Are we going to learn that? Uh, he just. People watcher. Yeah. Something to do. Creeper. Uh, okay. I'll accept that. <laughs> survey says accepted. <laughs> So eventually, after a couple of years of shenanigans and people hearing creeping voices, out the neighbors. <laughs> creeping out the neighbors, creeping out their visitors, um, Gene put Robert in the attic with the assumption that he could do more, no more harm. But apparently that was a fool's errand because visitors to the house uh, could hear something walking back and forth in the attic when they knew no one was up there. And even demonic giggling would interrupt quiet evenings. No. no. Sounds like my house. Demonic giggling? Well, yeah, but that's just Joseph. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, all right then, all right. Um, there were more claims of Robert watching people from the turret room. Gene, who insisted he was in the attic, but would find him in the rocking chair looking out the window. Oh, nice. Yeah. So now Gene Otto died in 1972 or 1974. I, the, the accounts I found varied. He died in the 70s. Um, and Robert was left behind in the attic. 
the new family that bought the home had a 10-year-old daughter, and she found him up there and claimed him for her own. Yeah, big mistake. So she subsequently endured years of torture from the doll. Uh, Same kind of things. Uh, Just accidents, mishaps. She would claim that Robert did it. I don't know if she knew the doll's name was Robert, but um, the doll did it. Yo, I'm Robert. This is my crib. This is my crib. Dear God. <laughs> By this point, the doll is like 40 years old. Um, 70. 70 years old. Oh, right. It was in the 1900, 1901. Right. Um, so anyway, 30 years later, she still claimed that the doll was alive and had tried to kill her numerous times over her childhood. And she is still deeply traumatized by the events she experienced when she started playing with this doll. Wow. Yeah. So others have claimed to see his expression change into a menacing smirk. A plumber once fled the house after hearing the doll giggle. (laughs) Oh, hell no. Yeah, no. So at the museum where he now resides, where you said that, you know, he's Mm -hmm. now kept, employees have found him in different positions in his glass case. Lights that had been shut off in and around the case are found turned on the next day. And occasionally the the bottoms of Robert's shoes are coated in fresh dust. Like he's gotten out and kind of like wandered around. Hmm. Creepy. Um, Sounds like tapping are heard on the glass of his case. And when employees turn around, his hand is resting on the glass. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, you don't want to think that uh, glass of wine, Jen? <laughs> right. I have to throw axes later. I need to be. Oh yeah, she's going. Right she's mind. going axe throwing. Axe later. throwing later. Yeah. That's how some of these stories start, though. Isn't That's it? what I said. I'm like, great. We'll have you on the show, and then you'll die in a horrific axe throwing accident, and then you'll be our paranormal activity. Yeah, I, I needed to be a point of reference in this episode. Hey, remember that chick? <laughs> she's <laughs> dead. Yeah, she's haunting us now. Yeah, we could we come full circle, and no other podcast will have done it. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is what's going to send us into infamy. This is how we get. I can't believe we're talking about my best friend dying horrifically in an axe throwing accident, right? so we can boost podcast ratings. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, right. so this is where Jennifer's siding with. Robert the doll comes in. Uh, visitors to the museum are advised to treat Robert with respect or face, well, bad times. Oh, yeah. Guests are encouraged to introduce themselves, a practice that the staff of the museum actually follows. So October is the most popular month to visit Robert as he is taken to a special location and put on display. He is also said to be the most active during this month. You are advised to follow specific protocol when attempting to take his photo. You need to introduce yourself, take the photo, and thank Robert when you're done. Those who didn't follow these rules or sought to goad, annoy, antagonize, etc., Robert, found themselves besieged with a plethora of bad juju. So, Jen, you're already ahead of the game. Robert likes you. I'm going to say, though, see, this is what happens. When you let something go like that and you let him have that attitude, look what happens. Yep. (laughs) Yes, and this is some of the stuff. He turns into a monster. It's like modern day parenting. He was probably a very right? nice demon possessing a doll. He just wanted a little respect. <laughs> okay, I uh, see. I feel like this is. I'm starting to stray into the antagonize, goad, or annoy the oh, doll. Yeah, so I need yeah, to stop talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that it. is something that we would end up doing. Yes, unintentionally or intentionally. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't. That's why we don't go to the art museum anymore. Right. 
So some of the bad juju that people um, have found themselves besieged with are accidents, lost wallets, illness, broken down cars, and broken cameras, to name a few. Oh, no. Things that happen every day. Well, happen so all much at, so. Happen all at once. No, no. <laughs> so much so that people have written to the doll begging forgiveness for being rude. Uh, the letters are handwritten. They are typed. They are from children. They are from adults. They're even in different foreign languages. Oh, this well. doll gets... Three to five letters per week begging him for forgiveness because they believe that their bad luck is because they were an annoying shit to the doll. And almost all of the letters tell of the perils that had befallen them since they had disrespected him. Hmm. Now, the museum he lives at, like I said, receives three to five letters per week for Robert. They read all of the letters and they catalog all of the letters. He has also been sent peppermint candies in the hopes of gaining forgiveness or simply making him happy. Um, Upon a visit to Robert, one visitor noticed two, quote, official-looking letters inside his case. And museum employees had not pointed them out on the tour, but they turned out to be, what you doing, Jen? Are you eating? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? something else. Archie thought you were eating. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know why he thinks she's like a printer when you're eating, but okay. <laughs> Printing sounds like chips. Okay. <laughs> Jennifer knows not to eat on the phone with me. Like. Oh yeah, I know I hit that mute shit. <laughs> mm, or I will sig Robert the dollar. <laughs> Um, so anyway, upon a visit to Robert, a visitor, a visitor noticed two official looking letters inside Robert's case. Museum employees had not pointed them out on the tour, but they turned out to be very official letters from Governor Jeb Bush of Florida and President George Bush, both congratulating Robert on his 101st birthday. And that is what I have about Robert the doll. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if the president and his son... Piss the doll off. Right? Might explain. Or the president and his brother. Yeah. Might explain a few things. (laughs) So, yeah. So, that's what I have about Robert the doll. Okay. Well. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, moving on. (laughs) To something even better. (laughs) Let's talk about. Let's talk about. what you wish for, Archie. (laughs) Oh, I don't wish for any of this. (laughs) Let's talk about the Dybbuk box. The Dybbuk box is considered to be the most haunted object in the world. Literally, it's a wine box. It's a wine box. So already, Jennifer, our hearts are broken. Well, <laughs> not, not, not so much a box as an ornate cabinet. It has the name Dybbuk because Dybbuk is an old Hebrew or Yiddish name for restless, malicious spirit able to haunt and possess objects or people. This particular box is rumored to have quite the history originating in Spain just after the Holocaust. That is, the history originates in Spain after the Holocaust. It may have been around for oh, hundreds, hundreds of thousands of years. years. Okay. So um, it was brought into the New World over here at Stateside, and the original owners wanted nothing to do with it. And when they found out that people in this part of the world loved antiques with questionable histories... It began its <laughs> long American. right began its long journey through many hands and households. 
Numerous owners of the box have reported strange phenomena accompany it, along with smells of cat urine or jasmine. It's just what I need in my house. <laughs> Most recently, it is housed in Zach Baggins' collection in the Haunted Museum in downtown Las Vegas. And just if you're curious, this is the same box to have cursed Post Malone. Although he seems fine, despite, you know, that face. <laughs> Carrie, I think I think you've got some good history on this I've one. I've got a lot. I've got a lot on the Dybbuk box. Um, now, Post Malone, he's the dude with the tattoos on his face, right? Yeah. Is the, the, it's the wide open mouth sticking his tongue out picture. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've heard of Post Malone, but I don't like... I. I, yeah, you hear about him and then you see him and you still have trouble yeah, reconciling. Like, yeah. Um, do you know who Post Malone is, Jen? Uh, I've heard the name. I know I've heard the song or two. Yeah. Yeah, I really don't know. If I if you showed me a picture on him, I probably wouldn't know. All right. Well, we're going to go into what happened to Post Malone when he encountered the Dybbuk box. But first... <laughs> <clears throat> so this terrifying object um, came to be, like Archie had alluded to, when a woman named Sophie and her cousin Havila conducted a seance in the fall of 1938. So apparently between the two world wars, seances became an extremely popular thing. Mm -hmm. Apparently the girls summoned an evil spirit. As you do. As you do when you do a seance or play with a Ouija board or any kind <laughs> of bonkers shit like that. I'm trying really hard not to say bananas because Archie hates that word. <laughs> yeah, I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so today, today's episode is brought to you by the word bonkers. <laughs> um, so Sophie suspected the negative energy of the impending war probably attracted evil, which that's not a hard belief to come to. Yeah. Um, so the girls attempted to bind the demon, but they were unsuccessful. Sometime later, they tried again, and they were able to trap it in the wine cabinet that Havila purchased in Spain. Oh. So it was when Havila died that Kevin Manis bought it at an estate sale, and her granddaughter refused to take it back. Like, to the point okay. that the granddaughter, when she said, oh, it's been in my family for years, and my grandma kept it in her sewing room, and... and Kevin Manis thought, um, oh, if it's, you know... If it's an heirloom, I have to have it. No, if it's an heirloom, we'll keep it. I don't... You guys oh. can hang on to it if it if it's been in your family for oh, so and long. And the granddaughter was like, no, you refused. bought it. A deal is a deal. Take this fucking thing. We're not taking it. <laughs> so he didn't find that fucking odd. So he's like, okay, thanks. I'm going to take this. So this dude's experience... Yeah, so he went to the estate sale to find things to sell in his antique store, and he came across this old, ornate wine cabinet and thought, oh, you know what, you know, maybe I can sell it in my store, or my mom's birthday is coming up, so maybe I can give it to her for a birthday present. Uh, so he takes it, and he places it in his store's workshop, and then he ran back out to continue running errands for the day. Shortly thereafter, so he's only been in possession of this box for hours, Shortly thereafter, his assistant called from the store. She was utterly freaked out and said that an intruder had gotten in and locked all the doors in the store, even the fire exits, and trapped her inside. She was hearing shouting. She was hearing glass breaking. Light bulbs were shattering in their sockets. She was fucking wigged. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, that's normal. No, <laughs> I've been needing to replace those bulbs. Sorry about that. <laughs> So he races back to the store and he finds all the doors locked. 
he goes in and bulbs are indeed shattered all over the ground. And it was bulbs, like regular light bulbs, like these recessed bulbs in my kitchen ceiling, like shattered in their sockets, but, but also the fluorescent tubes had fallen out of their fixtures and shattered on the ground. So he finds all of that and the whole place smells like cat urine. The whole place. So the assistant quit that day and never came back. <laughs> and she had worked for him for two years. Wow. Yeah. So a couple of days later, he finally gets around to preparing the cabinet to give to his mother and he opens it up, which apparently don't do that. Don't In do fact, that. the granddaughter had told him when he took it, no, you take it, you keep it, but don't open it. We don't want it. You keep it. Don't fucking open it. So what does he do? He opens it. He opens it. Uh-huh. And in Just it, he... like a man. Right. <laughs> do not do this thing. Okay. Hey, I'm going to do this thing. Sorry. I do the same thing. I, you, know <laughs> you tell me not to? Okay. That is the first thing I'm going to fucking do. Carrie, do not whatsoever fucking do this. Do not get a puppy. Carrie gets a puppy. Don't start a podcast. Carrie starts a podcast. Carrie's going to fucking do what she wants to do. And if you tell her not to, she's definitely going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry, Arch. We apologize to you and your gender for. <laughs> I am not my gender. <laughs> I'm not my gender. <laughs> so, okay. Good old Kevin. Kevin opens up the box and in it, he finds two 1920s wheat pennies, a lock of blonde hair bound by a cord, a lock of darker hair bound by a cord, a small statue engraved with the word Shalom, a small gold wine goblet, a dried rosebud, and a four-legged candle holder, and the legs were octopus legs. So I don't even know why that was something. Don't do the creepy crawly thing with your hand toward me again. That creeped me. That scared me. <laughs> Archie just went <laughs> with his fingers toward me, and I got scared. <laughs> so during the time until he gave the box to his mother for a birthday present, Kevin suffered ter- terrible nightmares about a friend or a loved one turning into a terrifying demonic beast-looking hag that beat him. And this is what he says about the dream. I find myself walking with a friend, usually someone I know well and trust at some point in the dream. I then find myself looking into the eyes of a different of the person that I am with. It's then that I realize there is something different, something evil looking back at me. At that point in my dream, the person I am with changes into what can only be described as the most gruesome, demonic-looking hag that I have ever seen. This hag proceeds then to beat the living tar out of me. And he has these dreams almost every night. And when he wakes up, he is consistently, when he wakes, he has bruises and scratches on him. Oh, wow. Consistently. So... Yeah. So on October 28th, he gave the wine cabinet to his mother as a birthday present. Still no idea. Still no idea. Yeah. You know, that's a coincidence. Um, (laughs) And the same day that he gives her this wine cabinet, she suffers a stroke. She's partially paralyzed and she can't speak, but she can um, point out letters and speak that way and like spell out what she's trying to say. So after this stroke, she spelled out no gift. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? The wine box? And she spelled out hate gift and rejected it. Did she was. Don't ever buy me a gift. Again. <laughs> yeah. 
you fucking suck at picking out gifts, and I don't you want stick it. Stick to the list. Always stick, stick to, to the, the list. list. <laughs> so Kevin didn't stick to the list, and he gives his mother a wine cabinet with a demonic entity in it. That she so actually, what his Kevin gave his mother for her birthday was a stroke. <laughs> oh God, it was a debilitating stroke. <laughs> is basically what he did. <laughs> So after the mother rejects it and she says, no gift, hate gift, he then gives it to his sister. Still Mm. no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin is not on the up and up with this story. So the sister kept it. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Yeah, no. Not the brightest broken bulb in the light sockets. (laughs) So he then gives it to his sister. The sister kept it for one week before returning it, saying that the doors of the box wouldn't stay shut. After that, his brother took it and then returned it. So after that, he, his brother took it and then he returned it after a couple of days. Mm-hmm. He claimed that this, he, he, okay, so. Too he, fast, Carrie, too fast. God damn. Where he did he cut in five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> the brother claimed that he smelled jasmine near the box, but his wife smelled cat urine. This demon is yuck. Sorry, sorry. Please don't possess me. Okay. Um, so Kevin Manis took it back again and um, gave it to his girlfriend. And his girlfriend was like, a couple days later, fucking sell this shit. <laughs> she didn't like it. So he sold it to a middle-aged couple who <laughs> took the box. And then he, a couple days later, he found it on his doorstep with a note saying, this has bad darkness. So... At this point, Kevin is like, maybe there's something not right with this box. (laughs) So he he said that he wanted to destroy the cabinet, but he didn't know what would happen. Um, So thus, he decided to sell it. And here, and he sold it on eBay. And here is an excerpt. Yeah. 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 It's got a, quite the history on eBay Find as well. It on eBay. Exactly. Um, definitely not Wayfair. You've got just what I need. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody needs this shit. So he sold, he sold it on eBay. Um, and here is an excerpt from his original eBay post. He wrote, he was very honest about this fucking box. So he writes, I would destroy the thing in a second, except I really don't have any understanding of what I may or may not be dealing with. I'm afraid that if I destroy the cabinet, whatever it is that seems to have come with the cabinet may just stay here with me. I have been told that there are people who shop on eBay that understand these kinds of things and specifically look for these kinds of items. If you are one of these people, please, please buy this cabinet and do whatever you do with a thing like this. Help me. So he yeah, got hip really to it. I really wish I would have seen this on one Saturday night of drunk shopping. Like, this would have been hilarious. <laughs> Until you until you realize when you woke up the next morning, you actually purchased the goddamn thing. Right? The yeah. dangers of drunken shopping. <laughs> Seriously. So, the person that bought the box was a student at Truman State University in Missouri. His name was, I think it's Yosef Nietzsche. Nietzsche? I'm butchering it. I'm so sorry, guys. N-E-I-T-Z-K-E. And again, he was a, a student at Truman State University in Missouri. He claims that the cabinet caused him and his roommates to suffer various health problems, light bulbs to break, a bug infestation, 
odd smells, and more. To make matters worse, their the, their hair began to fall out in clumps. Ooh. Yeah. They would go to the doctor and all their tests came back negative. They were in perfect health. So they attributed the hair loss to stress because all these events happening with him and his roommates, the tension in their home became like an in, intolerable. Mm. So when he had had enough, Yosef sold the cabinet to Jason Haxton. And Jason Haxton was the director of the Museum of Osteopathic Medicine. So that's when the box gets sold to this person and now changes hands. Oh, jeez. Yes. So Jason Haxton's experience wasn't any better. So anyway, after a short time, um, Haxton developed strange health problems himself, such as hives, coughing up blood, and head-to-toe welts. Yeah. So he soon decided to leave it in a storage unit. Um, One night, the smoke alarm in the unit went off. And when he went to see what was going on, he didn't find any smoke, no fire, nothing. He was curious, so he brought the Dybbuk box home and began researching it, which if he'd listened to Kevin Manis' story, he probably would have figured that was a bad idea. If he read the eBay If he read the eBay description. But I don't think at this point he realized like how it ended up with him. Mm-hmm. So um, on another evening, he fell asleep near the computer, but when he woke up, there was a shadow on the wall moving away from him where the box was at. Now, Haxton believes that the spirit possessing the box is on a mission to show them the truth about the Holocaust. And this is something that he came, conclusion he came to through his research of the box. Um, he met with a psychic medium who sensed death and fear surrounding the box, which Obvi. When she touched the box, she felt a stabbing pain in her left ribs and her head. She believed that those sensations had something to do with the original owner of the box. Hmm. Um, now, Jason Haxton consulted various rabbis as to how to seal the Dybbuk back in the box. They secured it in an ark constructed out of acacia wood and gold, which was replicate, replicated replicated the Ark of the Covenant, which contained the original Ten Commandments. Hmm. Um, So they did some Indiana Jones type of shit with this thing. Gotcha. (laughs) Then Jason Haxton hid it in a secret location that he didn't reveal to anyone and put guards and stuff up against it. So that is um, the the fate of the Dybbuk box. And then enter Zach Bagans. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of course. Because of course. Jen, you know who Zach Bagans is, right? Do I? Uh, <laughs> yeah, do you, I? You had coffee the other day. Yeah. <laughs> From human resources! <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see this on my screen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Zach Bagans is known for his work as a host of the television show Ghost Adventures. And he ended up buying the Dibbit box from Jason Haxton. Now, Zach Bagans has the box as part of his collection of paranormal objects in his haunted museum in Las Vegas, as Archie mentioned. Now, he will not let the public look at the box. However, mm-hmm. if you want to, if you really want to see it, you must sign a waiver that releases Bagans from liability if anything bad happens to you while viewing the box. Or immediately after. And that's where we come into Post Malone. 
So Post Malone uh, apparently didn't have to sign the waiver. I guess celebrity. (laughs) Yeah. Well, celebrities are held to a different standard than we are. Of course. Apparently. But quite frankly, if I'm Zach Bagans and a celebrity wants to see this box and I don't make them sign the waiver releasing me of liability if some shit bad shit happens to them, what's to stop their personal powerful attorneys that celebrities have from suing the fuck out of me? Right, exactly. Like, that's the people that you want to sign that shit. Exactly. Exactly. So I guess Post Malone was at the museum when Bagans decided to take the plexiglass cover from around the box and touch it for the very first time. So while Bagans was touching the box itself, Post Malone grabbed his shoulder like, dude, I don't think you need to be doing this. And apparently that was enough to transfer the curse from the box through Zach Bagans to Post Malone. Now, rookie mistake. Exactly, right? Dude, don't you all, listen all to paranormal around. podcasts? I mean, rookie mistakes all around. Exactly. And that was the first time that Zach Bagans had ever touched the box himself. Don't so, touch the box. anyway, in the months. trying to show off for Post Yeah, right. Yeah. Right? So, in the months that followed, here are some of the things that Post Malone experienced. His private plane was forced to make an emergency landing after its tires blew off. At takeoff. Don't tell Mike that. Uh, no way. <laughs> no way. Um, Jennifer. Honestly, I don't think he knows who Post Malone is. <laughs> okay, good, 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 great. Okay. Um, Jennifer's husband has a weensy fear of flying, and we've just this year gotten him to take a couple of flights. So we don't want to break that streak. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Another incident was three armed robbers targeted a home in San Fernando, San Fernando Valley that they believed to be his. Um, if it was his, he wasn't there at the time, so thank God for that. But then um, he also had his Rolls Royce was involved in a serious car accident, which is a lot of bad, unfortunate incidents to have happen in a succession, small period of time. So it's believed that the Post Malone just being in the room and touching Zach Bagans, who was touching the box, was enough to curse him. So haven't heard anything about a lawsuit that Post Malone is bringing against Zach Bagans in his haunted museum, but (laughs) stay tuned. We might find that on TMZ in a couple of days. Although I think this incident occurred a couple of years ago or maybe a year ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. So in conclusion on the Dybbuk box... One of my very favorite podcasts and the actual podcast that inspired me to want to do my own podcast is called And That's Why We Drink. Mm. Uh, This podcast is amazing. It's hosted by two girls and one girl does a paranormal story and the other girl does a true crime story. And they actually cover the box in episode 11 of their show. Now, Christine, the girl who does the true crime story, she was getting married. And Em, who does the paranormal portion through her bachelorette party in Las Vegas. And one of the things that she treated Christine to was a trip to Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum. And they talk about it in one of their episodes. And this is what they say they experienced when they went to Zach Bagan's Haunted Museum in Las Vegas, and they did see the Divot Box. So when they were there, the tour guide refused to go in the room with them. It told them that he had seen some really freaky shit in that room. They were welcome to go in it, but he was going to stay the fuck outside. Uh... That when he first went to work there, he was a skeptic, but that place and the box and the items in it and the things that he's experienced changed, completely changed him. He's no longer a skeptic. 
the box is apparently surrounded by a three inch ring of salt and dried sage and it's airtight sealed behind gla a glass case and the salt and the sage are around the box in the case. Apparently the doors are slowly starting to open on their own as is the drawer and it looks like there's fingerprints in the salt. Now keep in mind this is all beneath under air, under an airtight, airtight glass. glass case. Um, they were told of a psychic that had been invited to the museum who knew nothing of the box. When he walked into the room, he told the guy that there was a shadow man standing in the corner. Afterward, the psychic said he had a horrible dream that he too was in a glass case in the room with the box and that he watched the, in his dream, he's in his own glass case next to the box, the Dybbuk box, and he watched from his glass case, he watched the box open an old hag crawls up out of it, comes over to his case, and stares at him. And apparently this was a recurring dream for this particular psychic. Oh, wow. So that was a story that they were told as well. So that is what I've got on this massive, hella creepy Dybbuk box that you can go and... Okay, that's my dog's. <laughs> What the heck was that? Squeak toy. <laughs> Squeak toy, uh, Leia. <laughs> oh, God. What Poorly was... timed squeak toy. <laughs> what was what, Jen? I didn't hear anything. Uh, so that is That is what I've got for um, one of the most haunted objects in the world. You can go and see it. Um, like I said, Zach Bagan's Muse Haunted Museum is in Vegas. It's got a lot of creepy shit in it. Like it has Jack Kevorkian's death van in it. It has one of Ed Gein's cauldrons. It has Bella Lugosi's cursed mirror. It's got um, a couple of other haunted dolls that I have chosen not to talk about because not a couple of others. That's it has one, where they are? One of the dolls is at uh, Zag Bagan's museum. Yeah. Um, so I've chosen not to talk about that. Creep in one place here. Okay. It is, and Why I guess. Why would anybody go there? <laughs> you know, yeah, Carrie. Why would anybody go there? I'm not going to ever go there. <laughs> really? I really am not no ever going to go there. No, I. Number one, I'm not a huge Zach Bagans fan. I'm not a fan of Ghost Adventures. Okay. So I, I already don't have. Other, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it sounds like right up your alley. It does sound right up my alley, except for the Dybbuk box and this other doll that he has there, which I'm not even going to mention the doll's name because this is an actual more powerful demonic entity in this particular doll mm. in his museum. And just saying the doll's name can call attention to you. And I'm not going to run that fucking race. Understood. So I'm never going to go to this fucking museum. But you guys are welcome to, and it's located in <laughs> Vegas. Uh, if you want to see the Dybbuk box, you do have to sign a waiver unless you're a celebrity of the level of Post Malone or higher. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's what okay. I have on the Dybbuk box. And we have one more haunted object to talk to you guys about. I'm pretty sure most everybody will have heard about this particular haunted object. So You are probably correct. We are going to talk about Annabelle the doll. When you think of Annabelle the doll, you might think of the porcelain-faced plot device that secured an ongoing line of movies, not a comically happy, smiling, red-haired, raggedy Ann doll. No. And before you go on, have you seen any of the Annabelle, Annabelle doll movies? Of course movies? not. <laughs> I haven't either. I'm right there with you, Arch. <laughs> yeah, I feel to see the point. 
to get scared. Why do I want to be scared? Well, yeah, why would I do that? Okay, well, I don't, I'm just telling you. I do I'm, this podcast. Why would I want to be scared anywhere else? <laughs> so to continue. <laughs> okay, sorry, God. You wouldn't be thinking of a comically happy, smiling, red-haired Raggedy Ann doll, and you would be wrong. Annabelle the doll is, in fact, a classic Raggedy Ann doll with a very cheerful smile and a happy-looking demeanor. I used to have a Raggedy Ann doll. I mean, I it wasn't too. nearly as big as this one, but yeah. Yeah, I had uh, Ann and Andy. Oh, did you really? Of course. Did you have a Raggedy Ann doll, Jen? I think I did, yeah. I yeah. think I actually had both of them. Yeah, it's a popular... In the bedroom at my grandmother's. Yeah. So, I mean, Raggedy Ann, Raggedy Andy are very popular dolls for our generation. And just so if anybody's curious, we are in our 40s. <laughs> well, I didn't find much history to this Annabelle prior to the haunting portion. Here is what I did find out, though. In 1970, a mother purchased an antique Raggedy Ann doll from a hobby store. The doll was a birthday present for her daughter, Donna, an adult preparing to graduate college with a nursing degree. Yay, nurses! We love you, nurses! Donna thought nothing of the doll, found it cute, and got a decorative place for it on her bed. It wasn't until the doll started being found in different places around the house. <laughs> now, to be fair, Donna had a roommate named Angie, and this sounds like some silly roommate bullshit I would do just for laughs. Oh, God. But, Carrie, I take it this was not the case. No, no, this was not the case. Um, so this roommate bullshit with the litter boxes the other night, was that you? Or that was a literal no, occurrence? No, that was just you're talking about what happened last night? Yes. No. So what tell, happened? Tell Jen what happened. What happened at home last night is um, I clean the litter boxes in the evening and Edward cleans them in the morning. So I'm emptying the litter boxes last night and I get the one that's down at the end of the hallway and as soon as I take off the lid and I do my first scoop, it sounds like the lid to another one of the boxes was, like, violently removed from the litter box. Like, like a cat was in it and had a seizure. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, man. Just, like, knocked it on the floor. It made a horrible noise. So Edward bursts out of their bedroom while I'm, you know, ass up with scooping the box out. <laughs> and he says, what happened? Are you okay? I said, I'm fine. What the hell was that? And so you all heard it. We all heard it. And they were in their bedroom with the and door shut. And they were in their bedroom with the door shut. So I'm very nonchalant about this shit because, well, if it's a ghost, it's a ghost. Not much to do about it. Why am I going to panic? And Edward doesn't believe in any of this at all. So he's like, I need to find out what happened. Who's hurt? Who knocked over the litter box? <laughs> and Oh, you got to love a skeptic. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. Nothing. Not a single thing was out of place. Nothing turned over, no boxes knocked over, nothing. Nothing happened. It was just the noise. It was just the noise. It was a very distinct noise. We both knew immediately somebody knocked the lid off the litter box. And it had to be loud enough for them to hear it behind their closed bedroom door. Exactly, with the TV yeah. on. So, I mean, we all heard something, but nothing was out of place. So what's Edward's conclusion? He just takes that thought. Puts it away. <laughs> I don't know. Don't know what it is. It's over. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm sure I'll hear about it once this episode airs. Aww. Yeah, he listens. Yay. Thank you, Edward. We love you. <laughs> um, okay, so that wasn't roommate hijinks. And this situation with Annabelle the doll was also not roommate hijinks. Oh. Um, 
So the real Annabelle doll currently lives in a locked box at Ed and Lorraine Warren's Occult Museum at their Monroe home. And I believe it's in Connecticut. Now, Ed and Lorraine Warren are known in the paranormal world. Jen, you know who they are, right? Uh, do I? <laughs> <laughs> you had coffee with them last Thursday. No. <laughs> From human resources. No, okay. Um, <laughs> So Ed and Lorraine Warren are the um, folks behind The Conjuring, the Amityville Horror. Uh, she is a she was a world-renowned um, psychic medium, and her husband Ed was a world-renowned demonologist. So they were often called into the Amityville Horror case, which was largely debunked. The cat, the Lutz family, that whole story, but The Conjuring with the Perone family. Um, I believe the demon house in somewhere in the Midwest, they were involved in that. Um, anyway, so the Warrens are, are pretty popular within the paranormal universe. Um, and they had an occult museum at their Monroe home. Both Ed and Lorraine have since passed away. I believe she actually died this year oh. and her husband, Ed died in 2006, 2007. Um, but anyway, they have this occult museum and it's basically filled with, all of these different artifacts and items that they have collected throughout their very long career. And Annabelle the doll is one of them. She is on display. She, like the Dybbuk box, is housed between gla in glass, locked, with a big sign that says, do not fucking touch. Okay, it doesn't say fucking touch. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really trying to emphasize don't touch this goddamn box. Um, so that's where she is currently housed. Um, so the Raggedy Ann doll that is at this that the Warrens Museum is not your ordinary doll, as you probably gathered by now. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it here on History of a Haunting. According to the Warrens, it is inhabited by a, quote, inhuman spirit. And there is a warning on the glass case, not to fucking touch. What does it say? Positively do not touch? <laughs> yes, positively do not touch. So we'll put a picture of the doll in her case on our social media. One museum goer who ignored the warnings and taunted the doll died in a motorcycle crash shortly after leaving the museum, shortly after being told to leave the museum. So take that for what it's worth. Warrens are protecting themselves on that one. Like you think they like they kicked him out. Oh yeah. Get out of here. But because, by then it was too fucking late. Yeah. yeah by the time he left. Don't touch my stuff. Get out. Right. And Annabelle was like, okay, the Warrens are cool, but I'm going to fuck with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Lorraine Warren was raised a Roman Catholic um, and early in her career with her husband often worked with priests and other clergy because they rely on blessings and sometimes exorcisms to resolve a case. Um, Lorraine Warren had been had stated that the power of faith had gotten her out of many scary situations because it's often about fighting the demonic with goodness. Um, holy water was a big tool for them. She said that her Catholic faith is both her protection and her drive, or again, it was, she passed away. Uh, she said that by the age of seven or eight, she used to see lights and auras around people, but she was always afraid to tell her parents for fear that they would think she was crazy, which. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. people would think that. Mm -hmm. People would genuinely think that. People and still do. People, people still do. So she did spend many years praying about it because she didn't want, she said, I quote, I didn't want to be different. Um, she did recall a story from her younger days where she had told her favorite teacher, a nun who taught French. And um, 
The nun once told her, referring to her aura, quote, your lights are brighter than Mother Superior's. Wow. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah. Um, that being said, however, she was also told to go to the chapel and pray about it and it will go away. So, okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, you are so beautiful. You are so amazingly beautiful. Now, go home and make yourself as ugly as possible. Right. You have a gift. Squelch it. Yes. <laughs> so. Knock that shit out. Knock it out. Knock it off. Yeah. Uh, would you say cut it out? And I said knock it. Whatever. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. More wine. Here we go. Cheers, clink. Oh, God. Are we, are we finishing it? We're finishing it. All okay. Right. So when Donna and the this nursing student and her friend Angie had the doll, they would find things like one of the doll's legs would be crossed or the doll would be lying on its side when it was placed on her bed up against the pillows like, you know, you do with a mm-hmm. doll. Um, <laughs> then the girl and her roommate began to find parchment paper on the floor with written messages that read things like, help me, help us, help Lou. Now, keep help in mind. Help me, help you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. God, next she'll be offering to sell our student loans. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle can help you if you owe $10,000 or more in your taxes. <laughs> oh my God, I saw that commercial late last night. <laughs> so did I. So did I. Okay. So anyway, keep in mind, this is the 70s. Uh, they had no parchment paper in the house. That's actually a very old form of paper. Papyrus. Like, papyrus. <laughs> papyrus and an inkwell. Um, so anyway, they started finding these messages written on parchment paper. They had no parchment paper in the house. Then the doll began appearing in different rooms and at one point appeared to be leaking blood. They found blood spots of blood, I believe, on its chest and on its hand. So I'm going to, you know, benefit of the doubt, they're nurses. They probably know what fucking blood looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a human being that's ever bled, you probably know what blood looks like. It's very different than just red ink. Mm-hmm. So they were convinced it was blood. Then one day, Lou, we're going to get back to Lou because Lou's had some experiences with the doll. Lou was taking a nap and woke up with the doll staring at him, and he felt like he was being strangled. And who was Lou? Lou was a friend of theirs that they that they had had before they even acquired the doll. Okay. And I actually think at one point Lou and, and the roommate Angie were dating or engaged. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, also when he woke up, there were deep deep scratch marks on his upper body, and the doll is there, and I guess he was alone in their apartment. So the girls first had thought that maybe an intruder was moving the doll around and leaving notes. And if you're a true crime fan, you know that there are some killers that are fucking creepy like that and will do that shit. Um, however, when they ruled that out okay, <laughs> um, and not knowing where to turn, they contacted a medium and, the, and a seance was held. So going back to the Dibbit bo- Dibbit box, let's remind our listeners and ourselves how successful seances are. <laughs> So the girls were introduced to the spirit of Annabelle Higgins, and the medium said that Annabelle was a young girl that resided on the property before the apartments were built, and she died there at the age of seven. Uh, The spirit told the medium that she felt comfort with the two roommates in the apartment and wanted to stay with them and be loved. 
Aw, little girl. Ghost. I know. So the No, I know, right? You're going to tell me Donna just fell in love with this idea, didn't she? Yes. The roommates gave Annabelle, quote, permission to inhabit the doll. Which, (laughs) Which was just the stupidest thing to do because shit got way, way worse. So, Pirate Bear, you do not have permission to stick around. (laughs) You and Jimmy Buffett need to go back to fucking Margaritaville. Okay. Right. So, Lou, let's talk about good old Lou. Now, poor unsuspecting Lou. Poor Lou. Poor Lou. Pour one out for Lou, except I don't have any more. So, like I said, Lou is friends with Donna and Angie um, and had been friends with him since before the doll arrived. He awoke one night from a deep sleep and was in a panic because once again he had this recurring bad dream, except that this time something felt different. It was though he was awake but couldn't move. It it, it sounds like he was suffering from some sort of form of sleep paralysis, and Mm. I don't know if you guys know what sleep paralysis is or have have heard of it. Terrifying thing. Yeah. Have you heard about it, Jen? Mm, Tell me a little bit about it, Carrie. (laughs) Well, let me tell you why. Okay. So sleep paralysis is basically uh, what it sounds like. Like you're, you're in bed, you're asleep, you can't move. Sometimes you're awake. Sometimes you're having just a really fucking seriously lucid dream, but you feel or you see a presence. Sometimes, like I think when you were talking earlier, Jennifer, about how you felt that pressure on your back and being pressed into the mattress, I think you were experiencing a form of sleep paralysis. Which it's believed that spirits take advantage of and they actually cause it. So, yeah. So, good luck sleeping at yeah, night. Yeah, sleep on that one. You sleep on that one. Have a lot of. Jennifer's going to get fucking. I'm going to drink some axes. I'm going to drink some alcohol. And I'm getting wasted. I didn't realize I'm not even. I was fucking knocked out. I could have been paralyzed. I don't freaking know. <laughs> So anyway, I think he was suffering from sleep paralysis because this particular time, something seemed different. Again, it was though he was awake, but he couldn't move. He looked around the room, but he couldn't tell that anything was out of the ordinary. And then something creepy happened. He looked down toward his feet and he saw the doll Annabelle. Again. uh, At the foot of the bed? Yes. Um, Yeah. So he sees the doll Annabelle and it began to slowly move up his leg moved over his chest, and then it stopped. And then within seconds, the doll was strangling him. Paralyzed and gasping for breath, uh, apparently he was to the point of asphyxiation, he blacked out. He awoke the next morning, and he was convinced it was not a dream. Um, So Lou was like, I'm fucking done with this doll, and I am done with the spirit that possesses this doll. Can you imagine... A comically happy Raggedy Ann doll strangling you to the point of blacking out. But I mean, if you look at this doll, it's like short arm. I mean, it's a large Raggedy Ann doll, but like, I I don't, I don't know. Um, So Lou, again. He's done. He's out. He's done. He's out. But he's, the doll is not done with Lou. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So he would have one more horrible experience with Annabelle. Um, So he and Angie were preparing for a road trip. The next day after this terrifying incident. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, get the fuck out. Let's hit the road and maybe never come back. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. 
Heads Carolina, tails California. Let's pick something. <laughs> so they're reading over maps alone in him and Angie are alone in her apartment reading over maps. And the apartment was really super fucking quiet. So then all of a sudden they hear these rustling sounds coming from Donna's room and they both get scared because that's at this point, never a good fucking sign. <laughs> um, and they actually were afraid that somebody had possibly broken into the apartment. So Lou having just utterly goddamn had it with this apartment, the doll, probably Angie, like the whole situation. <laughs> it was, Lou was probably on his way to fucking Tinder to like meet some new bitches. If they had Tinder in the 70s. (laughs) Anyway, so he is determined to find out who or what it was. And he kind of tiptoes his way toward Donna's bedroom door. He waited for the noises to stop. He enters the room, turns on the light. The room is completely empty except for Annabelle, who was tossed on the floor in the corner of the room. Which is not where Donna kept her. Donna kept her on the bed. So he searches the room for any sort of forced entry. Nothing's out of place. So he starts walking toward the doll, and as he gets closer to the doll, he feels like there's somebody standing behind him. So he whips around, thinking maybe the intruder's there, gonna, getting ready to like bash him on the head. Mm-hmm. And nobody's there. Uh, almost immediately, he turns around, no one's there. Almost immediately, he grabs his chest. He's doubled over. He's hollering. Angie comes running in. He's cut and bleeding through his shirt cut and his shirt is intact no he's cut his shirt's cut and he's bleeding oh okay so once they opened his shirts um they saw on his chest what looked to be seven distinct claw marks three vertically and four horizontally on his chest now it's coming through the speaker (laughs) what's that noise have my phone on silent and it's vibrating oh okay thank god because i thought shit they know about they're now they're finding out about us (laughs) okay jennifer's phone is possessed not ours okay um so anyway he's got these seven claw marks on his chest so these scratches healed almost immediately half were gone the next day and they were fully gone by day two hmm Yeah, so after Lou's experiences, Donna felt that it was time to seek a real expert. So Lou only has to be almost killed nightly. (laughs) I'm telling you what, like, I don't know why these people, because I feel like the three of us, like, the first sketchy, like, dangerous shit that happened, obviously Pirate Bear was just trying to be annoying. But the first dangerous situation, we'd be like, eh. Well, no, we're we're exposed to a lot more media this day and age, so we get to watch all of this stuff. Back in in the seventies, at least, they didn't have supernatural thriller movies much. I suppose, but okay, I'm sorry, Kevin Manis in the Dybbuk box. Could that dude cannot be cut a break? That was no. That was just dumb. <laughs> that was dumb. Anyway, so Donna feels it's time to seek real expert advice, and she contacted an Episcopal priest named Father Hegan. Now, Father Hegan felt that it was a spiritual matter. And um, he didn't feel like it was, but it was a little above his pay grade. Yeah, yeah. well, his Episcopalians are kind of non-combatant. Don't, don't piss off a religion. What are I, you about to say? I'm Episcopalians are non-combative. Oh, okay. We're the first to laugh at ourselves. Oh, you're Episcopalian. <laughs> uh, yeah. How have I not known that you're Episcopalian? I don't bring it up. 
oh, because <laughs> I don't want to be in a combat. I don't want. To, I, I don't, don't want to. I don't like confrontation. Shame it to our religious podcast people. <laughs> Says the Catholic girl. Catholics, don't get me started. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Archie. The Episcopalian so said I'm not She contacted Archie this. the Episcopalian who deferred it <laughs> to somebody else. Um, anyway, he, he contacted a higher authority within the church, and he contacted Father Cook. And Father Cook also felt this was above his pay grade. So... Yeah, God, that's fucking hysterical. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, would you look at the time? <laughs> oh, my God. So, no, they didn't contact Jesus. But a couple of levels down, they contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, yeah. 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 So... The Warrens came after investigating the Don was talking to Donna and Lou and, and Angie. They came to the pretty basic immediate conclusion that the doll itself was not in fact possessed, but being manipulated by an inhuman presence. It is widely believed that spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys or dolls. They possess people. Um, now an inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or an object um, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This particular spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order for it to get recognition. Sorry, I had a call come in. I, it was Zurich. I'll, I'll call them back. <laughs> I'll transfer those funds later. I'll transfer those funds later. Um, so the doll, this, the spirit manipulated the doll, created the illusion of it being alive in order to get attention. But the spirit was not actually looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. So the spirit in this case, or I mean, in this case, an, an inhuman demonic spirit was basically found to be at the infestation stage of the phenomenon. It first began moving the doll around the apartment, um, by means of teleportation to kind of arouse their curiosity in the hopes that they would give it recognition, which they of course in turn did. Mm. Yes. So then they made the mistake of bringing a medium into the apartment to communicate with it. And the medium apparently didn't realize she was talking to an inhuman spirit and the demonic entity said, Hey, I'm a tiny little girl. And I, I just want to, I'm having so much fun with Donnie and Angie, and I just want to stay here forever and be their friend. Oh. And did the whole tug on the heartstrings thing. Jeez. Donna and Angie were like, of course you can stay. Basically giving this demonic entity permission. Permission. Yes. Given the demonic energy is a negative spirit, then it started causing patently negative phenomena to occur. It aroused fear through weird movements of the doll. It brought about the materialization of disturbing handwritten notes, the symbolic drops of blood. It ultimately even attacked Lou, leaving behind the symbolic mark of the beast, which was the seven claw marks on his chest. Hmm. 
So the next, in, the next stage of the infestation of the phenomenon would have been complete human possession. So it's pretty fortunate that they were like, okay. They called the warrants when they did. Right. Like always, like in these cases, the very last second before shit really gets fucking bad and out of control. Wow. Yeah. They contacted the warrants when they did. Uh, had these experiences lasted another two or three more weeks... Um, everybody involved believed that the spirit would have completely possessed, if not harmed or killed, one or all of the occupants in the house. Anyway, in the end, um, the Warrens did their investigation, and they apparently found an Episcopal priest of the correct pay grade because they did <laughs> an exorcism of the house, um, and the Warrens took the doll, and they removed the doll. The house was blessed. I did read a little bit about the exorcism in the Episcopalian religion, and it's a very involved process. Hmm. Yeah, it's a very involved process, but that process was done on the house, and then there were no more occurrences um, whatsoever. However, when the Warrens took the doll, and they were on their way home, Ed Warren told his wife, who was driving, um, that they should avoid the highway because it was going to be a rough ride home. Obviously, this doll has been found out. It doesn't. It's not loving the oh. development of the situation, and it turns out he was right. Um, at some point, he had to have her pull the car over and sprinkle Annabelle the doll with holy water to calm it down. She was creating such a disturbance within the car. Wow! To try to crash the car or whatever, um, and that is from that point when they took the doll home and um, put it in their occult museum under a protective case with charms and, and things like that. I, I believe there are a couple of like tarot cards that are like in the wooden frame of the case oh, that yeah. kind of guard against it. Um, but yeah, that is the real life story of Annabelle the doll. If you guys have seen any of the Annabelle movies, you know the doll is way fucking creepier. <laughs> Holy shit, this doll is super scary. Which makes the real Annabelle doll even scarier because you trust it's a raggedy so, Ann it's doll. It's so disarming. Exactly. I mean, what did I say? Comically happy, smiling. Mm -hmm. And like we all three said, we all had mm -hmm. one or both of the raggedy Ann and Andy dolls. Yeah. So that is the story of Annabelle the doll, the Dybbuk box, and Robert the doll. Um, now you guys can... You know, go and visit all of these particular objects. Robert the Doll is housed in a museum in Key West, Florida. Uh, we will put that museum's contact information up on all of our social media. Again, same thing with Zach Bagans and the Dybbuk Box. We will put all of that, that information if you guys are brave enough to go see that. I'm telling you, I ain't going within a fucking mile radius of that joint. He's got some creepy <laughs> shit. Um, and then lastly, Annabelle the doll. Now now that both Ed and Lorraine Warren are dead, I, I'm not sure what happened with their museum. I probably should have looked into that before we did this episode. But I think I thought I saw somewhere their son is carrying on okay. with that. Because I was kind of worried. They have some super scary shit in their, that place too. Like yeah. now that they're both dead, who's protecting it? Yeah, somebody is taking that on. Yeah. Yeah, let's not like unleash it on like an estate sale. Everything must go. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Exactly. Right? Why would Jesus Christ have an estate sale? <laughs> right? At the very least, just put it on eBay. God. <laughs> eBay's where you go and you want to unload some occult shit, right? Yeah, it's when, when you don't want contact information. When you've, you, when you've given your mom a stroke and you've given your whole family bad dreams and... Yeah. 
So anyway, guys, that's our episode on haunted objects. Uh, Jen, do you have anything you want to add? Any comments you want to say? Opinions of the things that we have talked about today? Um, no, that's just a lot to take in. And um, yeah, I'm going to hope for a good night and that nothing's latched onto me. <laughs> well, like I said, you, you've already charmed Robert the doll, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think you're good. I think you're good. Um, Arch, do you have any any announcements or anything that we need to... Nothing I'm aware of. Nothing you're aware of. Yeah, I don't really have anything either. Um, we are gaining listeners. Uh, God. 387. We, are we at 387? Since our last check before okay. we started this recording, we've gained. Yeah, so by Monday, we will have increased our listeners by 350, 400%. Um, it's not a lot uh, compared to some of your more popular podcasts, but honestly, you guys... Considering is, we're nobody? Considering we're nobody and we're just kind of promoting with among friends and family and Twitter and Instagram, um, you guys are blowing us away. We're super excited. We're actually discussing um, setting up a website. Uh, we're getting a lot of messages through Instagram and Twitter. We're also discussing possibly launching a Patreon so to that end, we do have a couple of really cool things that we're going to be doing um, for our Patreon once we decide to actually launch that. Special rewards, exclusive content, and access that um, everybody else does not get. Uh, as soon as we hammer out those details, we will absolutely be sure to announce it. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that is it. I absolutely want to tell my best friend in the whole world jennifer thank you so much for guest hosting um and commenting on this episode with us it's been a lot of fun i'm really glad that you were able to do this with us i have all the faith in the world that you are not going to die horrifically by an axe tonight so thank you. <laughs> go out have a great time please tell mike that i love him please give bill and heather my love tell heather happy birthday and this episode is going to be airing next weekend. We are actually doing double recording today. Jennifer's going to drop off. Um, we've got a couple of weekends coming up where we can't record, so we're going to be doubling up on episodes for the next couple of weekends. And I believe that is it. All right. Okay. Uh, Jennifer, uh, do you want to say anything to our listeners? Anything to the fans? All... 380. Keep up listening. Promote the hell out of this podcast because these guys are great. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. And your <laughs> wine subscription for saying that is on its way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you guys so much. Please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at HOAH Podcast. If you have your own listener stories, location suggestions, Go ahead and email us at hoahpodcast at gmail.com. And Archie, do you want to toss it over? Thank you again for listening. And please hear a word from our sponsor, Love Heals Dog Rescue. Thank you again, guys, so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye. 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 Love Heals Dog Rescue is a nonprofit organization that believes every dog in need deserves a second chance at a new life. Love Heals wants to partner with the community to help as many dogs as possible find loving homes while also helping dogs in need in the area, such as providing a last litter program where the mother dog is fixed and returned or adopted and all of the puppies are fixed, examined by a vet, microchipped, and adopted out to help with the overpopulation of dogs in the area.
Love Heals Dog Rescue cannot continue to help the community without a dedicated foster network. Please consider becoming a foster and visit lovehealsdogrescue.org. Or find them on Facebook by searching Love Heals Dog Rescue. Help, help us, us be, be a part, part of the solution. solution.